This is Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio in Scotland. And this is Jared from Actors Approach in America. And together, we are two guys talking craft. A one-hour podcast where we talk about the craft of acting. Explore the various acting techniques from all the master acting teachers. And help you grow your acting skills. Two guys talking craft. Two guys talking craft. It sounds much better when Adam says it. Yeah, it does. This is Two Guys Talking Craft. Afternoon, good morning, whenever you're listening. Welcome to Two Guys Talking Craft with me, Adam from Unstoppable Acting Studio. And in a moment, I'll be joined by Jared Kellner from Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox. And together, the two of us, we make Two Guys Talking Craft. And uh, yeah, we're two very good friends who have a passion for the world of acting craft technique. And every two weeks, we get together to record a wonderful product podcast even, sharing our knowledge and uh, expertise and things we've learned recently about the world of acting craft and self. Here he comes. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Marella. And welcome, Jared. How are you? Doing very well. You? I'm good. I'm good. You, you uh-huh. look sleepy. It's been a long day. Um, yeah, it has actually. It has been a long day, yeah. yeah. Um, I've also been getting in the zone for, you know, what we're doing tonight, which is, um, you know, we're looking at your technique overlays this, this evening, which I'm very excited about, and yeah. uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. But yeah, I've been getting the vibe that this guy, with the monologue we're working on, he's, he's maybe been up all night, sort of like, uh, obsessively watching Beatles, you know. Uh, I know he's just watched the first episode of the Beatles documentary, but he's maybe been watching loads of Beatles content and stuff. So <laughs> I'm getting that, that mindset too, Jared. But there we go. And Good for, um, you. Good for you. You've got a soccer match going down, right? Uh, after this? New York Red Bulls. Yeah. yeah we got to go. <laughs> yeah. New, new season? Uh, yeah, we're in a new season. I mean, we, we're doing we as if i participate in the game uh <laughs> the team is doing well um success on the road uh looking for the first home victory tonight um we've tied but uh, i'm looking for a good victory tonight come on monocles yep. um and what we're exploring tonight jared i'm, I'm really excited about because th- <laughs> this is something back in uh, the COVID days uh, yeah. back when we were kind of locked up in our houses that you Shared with me an, e- an email may- maybe around about a year ago right now. Like, would you say? About, yeah, about a year, maybe a year and a half. And um, I don't know if you guys know this about Jared, you know, but not only does he have a reverence for all the amazing craft technique that is out there in the world of acting, but he also takes things a step further and gets inspired by things and, and, and thinks, I'm, I'm going to take this in my own direction as well and has some of his own stuff as well, strategies and techniques he's picked up that, you know, he's now amalgamated into his own thing and his own system. So, so this is one of yours, Jared, right? Uh, the overlay system. The, the name of it, for sure. Uh, maybe some of the application of it. But I... I mean, I've come across things like what we're going to talk about, bits and pieces from different practitioners, but I've mushed them together into what, what I feel is a um, accessible and very pragmatic approach to, uh, to an acting technique. So yeah, I'm, I, uh, I call it overlays and I'm looking forward to talking with you and exploring it and seeing what happens. Yeah, and it, you've tried out with various groups as, as well now, right? And, and to the point where you, you're now delivering this just as part of like what you do as an acting coach, right? Like, um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So this was discovered sort of in the moment while I was coaching an actress and the material was not stimulating the response in her that she had hoped uh, and what was obligated of her uh, by the script and by the, uh, the breakdown that she read. And so we were just playing around with different tools. Nothing was really sticking. And then we sort of stumbled upon what I eventually, you know, customized and called overlays and it just had an immediate effect and it was like oh this was very much eye-opening so i just gave it some thought practiced it uh, adjusted it a bit uh, trained a few other actors on it got some good feedback about how to explain it a little bit more clearly and yeah so now this is just it's part of my go-to tool set you know my toolbox like when, when you come to me and you've got an audition or you've you book something and you're looking for okay well how how do i do this how do i do that this is one of the things that we go to to explore to see if it works for you i, I remember you did it with the uh, guys in the studio like back when unstoppable acting studio had the studio and it was very well received then as well like um yeah. so no really excited to explore it again definitely cool yeah it's, and it's always good to go back and do refreshers it it helps me as a teacher to go back and re-explain it and you know in preparation for this um yeah you just you, you sort of get better at the application of the technique the more you use it the more you think about it the more you apply it and so like with anything if you don't use it you lose it and so this is a, a good practice both for me teaching and you know and for you exploring uh, yeah me the student as well and um just uh, if you're not seen the two guys talking graphs before like uh you know jared and I, we, we take on various roles so some week i'm coach he's he's the actor some weeks i'm the actor he's the coach some weeks we're both coaches some weeks we're both actors. We really switch it up. We go through this process of learning out loud together and sort of share it with, with you guys. And we have a huge amount of fun along the way. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm, you I'm did, ready. You did really studio. good teaching me uh, Shakespeare. You I did, did totally. We, we've just come off the back, if, you, if you've missed it, uh, of three episodes of uh, Taking the Fear Out of Shakespeare. Uh, the third uh, part of the episode will be up online on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those good uh, places. And you, my friends, have, oh, well, 45 episodes after this one to explore in our Two Guys Talking Craft back catalogue. We're looking at Uta Hagen, Stanislavski, Meisner, Eric Morris. The, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, and we're going to keep adding to that list uh, and just, uh, yeah, have a huge cacophony of different practitioners you can explore in the two guys talking craft uh, world so um but here we are tonight with jared kellner's original uh overlays so let's uh, jump in let's yeah, overlays Whoa. <laughs> so the first part of this is going to be a lecture like but i definitely want your thoughts and your feedback along the way as opposed to just being me talking at you for the first part of it. And then after we sort of wrap our heads around what the technique is, why it exists, how it works, then we'll apply it to some material and see how you, your body responds to the application of the, uh, the process. Mm. Oh, sounds good, sounds great. So for anybody that's uh, joined or will join, I'll, I'll be asking for some thoughts and feedbacks and, and comments along the way. So uh, maybe Adam, keep uh, keep me honest, and if yeah. some comments, let's just you know break in. Uh, so, if I'm going to define overlays as an acting craft technique, I'm looking at a um, a sensory and an imagination based acting approach that 
if done well, and if, if you select the correct overlay for you in the moment, effortlessly, automatically, your body will be stimulated with a response that can then be used in the material. So there are, I mean, clearly acting craft techniques that help actors address obligations like uh, emotions. I say an obligation, meaning, you know, the script says, uh, character comes in and says, uh, Adam, you're hysterical crying, stop crying. Well, okay, you've got an emotional obligation. This is a responsibility of the script. Sometimes it's imposed by the script. Sometimes the director says, okay, I need you to be a certain way in a, in a certain emotional state. We have character obligations. You get the breakdown of the, uh, the character and it'll, it'll describe who this character is. And so that's an obligation. You got to create that person. Uh, relationship. A lot of times you go into auditions and the casting director will say something along the lines of, I just don't believe the relationship, right? You're supposed to have been married for years and I'm just, I feel like you're strangers. So I don't believe the relationship. So we've got to create a relationship. And then the fourth piece, piece of this is the objectives. So what am I fighting for? What do I want, right? So we know through our script analysis that we can look inside the script and make decisions about what I'm fighting for, what I'm trying to do, how I'm supposed to feel, what the relationship is going to be like, what kind of a character I am, but they're all intellectual decisions. But how do you walk across that bridge from an intellectual decision into actual acting and, and action. And so sometimes, you know, actors will use various techniques that are, uh, you know, we've explored and taught a lot, which is, uh, let's see, to take like Strasberg stuff, uh, sense memory based work or effective memory where we're reliving and recalling uh, past events in our lives. Uh, sometimes we use uh, animals, to stimulate something in us. Sometimes we, we wear something, we put a hat on or boots on or clothes on that stimulates a response in us. Sometimes we're using our imagination to stimulate us like from a Meisner perspective, like going on guided daydreams. Oh, I need to be incredibly sad. So what would happen if there was a knock at the door and the police officer told me that my wife or my daughter or my son was in a, a car accident, right? So we use these, so we have techniques available to accomplish bringing those decisions to life. Overlays is yet another tool available for you that stimulates in you effortlessly and automatically visceral responses that align with the intellectual decisions of what's my objective, what am I fighting for? What am I supposed to feel, you know, character and, and relationships. So that's what it is, but it's like right now it's a little bit esoteric. So to make it come into focus, the way that I like to explain what overlays is visually and experientially is think about um, augmented reality. So we're, we're mostly familiar with a term called virtual reality, which is, you know, you wear those virtual reality goggles, but you can't see the world in front of you. Everything that you see is on the screen that's inside the goggles. And so you're separated from the reality of what's actually there. That's virtual reality where you're someplace else. What I'm talking about is augmented reality. So there's a um, uh, goggles uh, called HoloLens as an example from Microsoft or Google Glasses. And what it is, it's, it's actual glasses that you can put on and see through, 
but projected onto the lens is something that doesn't physically exist, but becomes visual for you and stimulates a response in you. That's an augmented reality. Um, another example might be when uh, some cars have um, what's called like the, uh, the head up display. Mm. We're like projected on the windshield is the speed or the, the, the angle of the, the, the car or maybe the radio station. Some information is projected onto the window screen. And so you see the world in front of you, you react to the cars and the environment, but you're also relating to and being affected by the image that's on the screen. Yeah, and true. The last, and, um, yeah, Pokemon Go, right? Remember Pokemon that Go? Was, that was, yeah, and that's the very last one that I was about to oh. say. It's Pokemon Go. It's exactly it. Yeah, you have the little Pokemon, but it's in the real world, uh, sort of being, yeah, whatever it is, uh, graphically <laughs> engineered to appear, like right. right in front of you on the grass or whatever it might be. It doesn't actually exist. It's in this augmented reality world. And as you're holding it up and looking through the, the camera, you see the world, but then you see this overlay of a Pokemon and it stimulates a response in you and you run and you go, you know, capture that particular yeah. Pokemon, right? So yeah. your, your stimulus is part of this augmented reality world. And so can we use our imagination and our senses to create an augmented reality that's in front of us to help fulfill the obligations of the script or help us fight for the objective of the script instead of going back into our past life or instead of going on an imagination journey for something that doesn't actually exist. So clearly the best of all scenarios is that the reality of the moment, the person that you're working off of, the script, the circumstances, that that just naturally stimulates in you what's needed in the script. But that's not always the case, right? So you, you're supposed to be deeply in love with the person that you're acting with and you can't stand them, but you still have a job to do. Uh, you're supposed to be incredibly invested in this, these circumstances, but you, you think that the writing is shit and so you don't really get uh, stimulated by the writing itself. So in cases where the material and the available stimulus doesn't do it for you to help you fulfill the responsibilities with inside the work, we look outside, we look for techniques. And so this just becomes yet another technique to help you create that particular reality. So I'll give four examples. Um, the first one will be about the objectives. And then I'll go into emotion, character, and relationship to sort of take the concept of overlay and bring it into focus so that when we apply it, you're understanding exactly what it is that you're doing. So mm -hmm. let's say um, my objective is to escape this horrific relationship, right? That's my objective. I want to escape the horrific relationship. Okay, what do I as an actor need to do so that the audience perceives me as fighting you know, to my dying breath to escape this reality, right? So what can I actually do? The, pr the mm. practical how I bring that to life so that instantly is recognized by the audience as this guy wants to get the hell out of there. So mm. an overlay in this case could be used where we create the feeling of sensorily being uh, trapped inside of a straitjacket. So it doesn't actually exist, 
I'm not blocking out the world in front of me, but I'm overlaying on top of what's here an experience of being trapped, physically trapped. And so I use my senses to feel what it feels like to be in a straitjacket where I just, I can't, I can't wriggle out of it. And so I'm not going to physicalize it so much that it becomes noticeable. But mm. in rehearsals, I'll work with it and I'll get a feeling for it. But that imagined, imposed, like beneficial hallucination of being inside of a straitjacket, if that works for you, could viscerally and automatically stimulate a feeling of, I got to get out of here. I don't, no. I, I'm feeling constricted. I just want to get out. And so you allow yourself to feel the feelings of the straitjacket sensorially, let it stimulate a response in you, and then let the, you know, let the straitjacket go, but grab hold of the response inside your body and put it into the work. Mm. You're moving from the intellectual understanding of it into being active. I don't know when you first spoke about this. Yep. This is what it's all about, isn't it? getting you active, getting you moving into uh, exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah, because... We make intelligent decisions when we do our proper script analysis and we, and we land on things that intellectually and conceptually make sense. The problem is a lot of actors, they, they then bring the decisions to life through concept where they'll behave in a certain way because that's what is socially accepted as a behavior of somebody that, that wants to escape in this case. I'm talking about not being predictable, not going off of concept but finding something to stimulate in you a true visceral response that actually is a, a, a physical version of the intellectual decision of I want to escape, and then you put it into the work. Mm. So let's talk about from an emotional perspective, right? So the, the four, the objectives, the emotions, the character, the relationship. So from an emotional perspective, let's say you and I, we've, we've had a longstanding business relationship and you've wronged me and I am completely disgusted by you. Your behavior and the way that you've treated the relationship and the business is disgusting. I'm disgusted with you. I'm disgusted by you. Well, the scene is taking place at a cafe. Could I use my imagination and my uh, ability to use sense memory and sensory explorations and create an overlay where instead of your bowl of pasta, it's just a bowl of maggots. Mm. And I see, I, I imagine you through my senses and my imagination as you're talking to me where we're doing the dialogue of the scene, reaching in forkful and stabbing a maggot and the blood, the guts come out. And, it, <laughs> you know, you're eating and little oh. maggot guts come out and maybe you burp a little bit and a little bit of, you know, like maggot vomit comes out and, and you just laugh at, you know, you just, and so, I'm gagging a little bit right now. Because I'm having, something to me already, yeah. Just yeah, that. <laughs> I'm having an automatic and a visceral emotional reaction to the overlay of this maggot scenario. And so, again, I never want the technique, um, I never want the relationship, the reality, the person to be uh, cast aside, right? Never use these techniques at the expense of the reality of the moment because the camera needs to see you and the audience, if this is a live performance, needs to see you behaving in a way that's appropriate for what's going on in the scene. And if you're off because of this overlay in your imagination, doing something that just doesn't make sense for the reality, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're misusing it. So it's, it's never at the expense of the truth in front of you, right? Mm. So from an emotional perspective, I can envision this overlay of these maggots and then stimulate this disgust in me and then yeah. put it into the work. 
it's to aid and enhance the truth, you know, like 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 that you've done the work to get the intellectual understanding of the truth, and, and this is yeah. just to bring it out into an active place, right? That's it. Yeah, it's helping yeah. you take the intellectual decisions into action. Yeah, Beautiful. and if you pick the right overlay, it will stimulate something in you quite quickly without much effort. And so, as I explain these things, sometimes the examples people will understand, but it won't translate into uh, a response. And that's okay because we're not all the same. But as long as you understand that when you ultimately land on the overlay that stimulates a response in you, your body will tell you that you've hit the right one. Mm. Um, from a character perspective, you know, let's say I, I'm um, I'm supposed to be playing the procrastinator, the beach bum, you know, the lazy one. Um, could I use an overlay while I'm, you know, having the, the conversation with my boss, uh, you know, and I create an overlay where I'm just in a hammock, you know, and I've got my <laughs> colada and I've, I'm in my bathing suit, you know, or maybe I, I've just got a wet towel on, but there's nothing. <laughs> on and I just, I have this overlay of me just, you know, I'm swinging in a hammock, just drinking my pina colada. Like, I, I'll get, I'll get it done. Like, you know, stop, stop riding me, boss. I'll, everything will be fine. We'll get it done. Right. And so, <laughs> Uh, I take an overlay of the hammock and the drink and I put myself in this very relaxed environment and it stimulates a response to me. And then I just, I just grab hold of that response. And then that's what I lean on and ride as I'm relating to the, to the person, but it's stimulating that. And I'm bringing to life the character then, right. As opposed to playing the concept of a procrastinator, right. I'm actually feeling it in the moment. Mm. Um, then a relationship perspective. Let's say you know the two of us are are um, arch enemies. We're you're my nemesis. You have you've ruined my life, and I hate you ever since grade school. Right? We've always just blah, blah, blah. so. Can I create an overlay where uh, I envision that we are inside of a boxing ring, and you've got the headgear on? I got the headgear on. You've got the red gloves. I've got the you know the black gloves, and we're all bloodied up. You know, and we've got the cotton in our nose and there's blood coming down here. And I just create it. And I, I envision with this overlay sensorily experience competition and combativeness. And I let all of that plus you and the reality of the dialogue in the moment stimulate this. I, you know, we're adversaries. And so instead of it being concept, I'm using this overlay sensory experience to bring that out in me, which the audience ultimately sees as these people hate each other. Right. So when you create or choose the, the right overlay for you, you don't have to do much work. It just, it's automatic. It's just something that immediately will, will come to life. So, mm. so then how, like, how do you pragmatically do this? So I, I wrote down a five-step process. The first one is script analysis because it's what you are doing. What, what do I want? How do I feel? Who am I? What's the relationship? That's not concept. That has to come from the script. And so step That's fundamental, one, right? It's, yeah. yeah. Without that bit, you're just adding superfluous layers on for the sake of it, right? Yes. I mean, so there might be some value in irreverently just playing and seeing what happens. But if you actually are trying to fulfill the script, you need to do the good work and, and yeah. be respectful of the words as written by the writer while also paying homage and respect to the vision of the director and at the same time being truthful with yourself and trusting your impulses right so you've mm -hmm. got all these things that you have that you've got responsibility for 
And so the first thing is do some proper script analysis. And then based upon the script analysis, make a decision of what the overlay is that will fulfill that decision. So I, I think my objective is X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, uh, over on your side of the, uh, the pond, Absolutely. Uh, multiculturally sensitive there. Uh, <laughs> uh, make a decision. What is the overlay that's going to bring to life the intellectual decision? Okay. Uh, my objective is I want to seduce you. Okay. So what overlay could I create that would stimulate in me seduction? Okay. So I've got whipped cream all over you or chocolate covered strawberries, you know, uh, I see, you know, uh, volumes of chest hair that I'm just twirling my <laughs> finger in, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, whatever your thing is, right? Yeah. So you do the script analysis, you choose the overlay, and then you activate the overlay with your senses, right? Don't let it be uh, a picture on the wall. Make it 3D, make it live, activate it so that it's stimulating something in, in you. And then you allow, you know, the fourth thing is you allow yourself to be affected by it. Like allow the other person and the overlay to coexist in this augmented reality and let it stimulate something in you. And then the last thing, the fifth one is put it into the work, right? Once you're feeling something, just grab hold of it and, and let that color the way that you relate to the person. So script analysis, choose an overlay, activate the overlay, allow it to affect you, and then include it, include that affected response in it. But again, never at the expense of the reality of the moment, right? You, the other person, are always more important. You're always, you're always going to take precedence over things. But mm -hmm. this is a wonderful way to just elevate and bring to life all of those intellectual decisions. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and, and I, love, like, I, I think that's key as well. You just step through that process and you've done it sequentially you know, for that reason. And, and without that script analysis at the start, yeah, you're not gonna have that deep connection to the words, and I think part of the point in this is to help you have that deeper, more visceral, emotional connection with the words that you're that you're saying. That you're moving it from "I understand what I'm saying" to "I'm feeling things about what I'm saying here," and, and like you need to do that intellectual work in order to get any of the emotion coming through, like right? like the feeling and the connection to the words, right? Yeah, that's um, exactly correct. Yeah. And, and obviously, this is not the only way to get to that place of action, right? All of the other quality acting techniques have tools to help you get there. It's just another one, right? It's just a, another yeah. option. Yeah. And when this works for you, the, the beauty of this one is it's immediate. It's automatic. It's, it's effortless when you pick the right overlay because it just naturally just, it it's like yeah. a switch is flipped and, and you feel something and then just yeah. go. And, and equally, the, there could be many right overlays, I'd imagine, as well, right? Like, you find one that, that hits and, you know, um, strikes the mark, but, like, there the can be multiple that, that also... And, and I can instantly see this. Like, I can see this working really well in, in several circumstances. One being, like, an addition. You haven't had long to, to prep. You've, you've literally got, like, a side, which I've got this evening that we're, that we're working with. You don't know the context. You don't know what's come before, what's come after. You want to get some kind of emotional connection to it. So you just you do your script analysis with the short bit of uh, text that you have, and, and then you layer this this on top. You don't have the time, you know, necessarily to go and, and you know, have this understanding of, like, reliving a previous experience or maybe going on a guide. Like, you can literally layer this thing on top. The other one I think would be really effective is 
when you've been rehearsing in a theatre context over a number of different weeks or you're on a tour and you're literally doing the same play month after month after month and your job is that you have to keep it fresh in, in some way as well, right? This is beautiful for that because you can be trying out all sorts of different overlays. You can be trying your uh, emotional obligation, your character, your relationship, you know, like any of them really. And, and just playing around and it's going to give you fresh options and bring, bring up fresh things to the table. So, yeah, you're right, Jared. It's, it, it, like we always say on here, right, it's never the only tool, but it is a great tool to have in the in the toolbox, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% correct. I, I, I love how you just put that. Um, you can pivot and be very fluid and nimble with it. Um, you're at an audition, you, you deliver what you have prepared and the casting director says, I love it. You know what? Just for the hell of it, give me something else. Give me a different version yeah, of it. Yeah, right? So yeah. I mean, that, that's a beautiful opportunity then to, okay, so how can I very quickly go, instead of going that way, I want to go that way. Mm. What can I do that will automatically and effortlessly trigger in me a, a visceral response that will bring me to another interpretation that will, that will feel truthful for me, that makes sense with inside the context of what I'm doing and not have to make me work so hard and be stuck in my head that I'm not able to be present. Yeah, because yeah, so yeah. a lot of applications for it. We're getting so much patterns and routines as well, don't we? Like, like once we try on a character for size, yeah. you know, and, and we feel that makes sense and that makes sense and that makes sense. Sometimes we go through the motions and then sometimes what it leads us to is maybe in the first few rehearsals, we get this really specific detailed work that we're doing where we're really on our objectives and all that stuff but then the more we do the same thing yeah then it sort of dilutes it doesn't it like like it's very hard to recreate a moment that's, that's so magical when you genuinely try to live in the moment right okay. so this allows you to live in the moment again to live in the muscle I'll, I'll try to connect the dots of what you're you're talking about um think about a song that every time you hear it you're like you're you're stimulated Mm -hmm. Right. There are certain songs. Uh, ACDC is one of these bands that, like, the moment that you hear the, you know a song come on, you feel a certain thing. Right. So there are bands and songs that it doesn't matter how many times you've heard it, it triggers something in you. Right. And we use music oftentimes in acting to help you know pull us into a certain emotional direction. So the same thing here is these overlays can be used again and again and again to keep it fresh. Every single time you hear that song, boom, you're feeling that same thing. Every time that you use that particular overlay, boom, you're feeling that same thing. And then maybe it eventually dies down. So great, push it to the side, grab another one that stimulates something in you. Yeah. yeah. So great. great concept, great understanding of you know what it is, how to do it. Why don't we jump in and play around and see what we can discover right. and experience um, with the, uh, the George Harrison monologue that I sent to you. Great. George Harrison's eyes, right? Yeah. So I, have you watched the whole documentary? No, I have not watched the whole documentary, no. If you get the chance to, it was, especially the, the first of the three, uh, I was profoundly affected by that documentary. I thought mm. that it was such good material. I, I like, it gave you insight into the band and their process in a way that I, I have never, never had. And I just, I, I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan. And so I, I just, I, I loved, I loved every moment of it, but especially that first, the first of the three episodes, like it was like a gut punch. Oh my God. 
And it, it was the first time that I was so drawn into and affected by the entirety of George Harrison's experience of being a band member where he knew he was never going to be the equal, you know, to John and Paul. It was never going to happen. And he was suffering. And I just, I was like, oh my God, this, this poor man. And so the episode ended and, you know, like a good actor I am, I have to emote and, and put it someplace. So I just, I sat down and just started writing and this monologue came out of it. That was a beautiful monologue. So no, it's really, really nice, yeah. really well written. And, and, and loads to play with, let's say, within it yeah. as well. So, so for the purposes of um, the five steps, you know, script analysis first, um, give me some thoughts around your interpretation of the piece, who this person is, and then let's pick one of the four things that we had talked about in terms of objectives, emotion, character, and relationships. Let's just pick one and, and we'll we'll work from there. So, okay. but from a script analysis perspective, um, who are you, where are you, what's going on? What do you think that you should be feeling? Um, just, you know, just general script analysis stuff. Absolutely. So, so um, you know, to, to let you guys that's listening in to have a little bit of a window to this as well, when you first read through this monologue, or when I first did anyway, what I got was, here's, here's a guy that uh, likes the Beatles, like, like, like has been, affected emotionally in, in some way by the Beatles. That, that was just my surface level sort of, you know, look into it. But, but then I, I read again, read again, you know, and I started to pick out some deeper things. So there's this guy, he's watched the first episode of the Beatles documentary, a three-part uh, documentary, and um, it's making him feel sad. And he's particularly sad because he was drawn into George Harrison's, George Harrison's sad brown eyes. Um, and he starts meandering off into talking about the band. And, um, you know, it, it, did people in the band know that he was feeling like this? And Paul's probably to blame for, for this as well. And um, that, yeah, like, uh, it must, as you were saying, Jared, must feel really quite a sad thing that he knows he'll never be an equal in this band. But yet, he's went back to, to join the band again. He's went through this traumatic thing. But then I started to pick out clues about, like, you know, he was saying that he was suffering, you know, that George Harrison was suffering. And then this character starts comparing George's suffering to his own. And he says that he feels like an outcast, that he feels he's always on the periphery, on the outside of things. And that he feels that probably his eyes are maybe looking a little bit like George Harrison's sad brown eyes too. And that got me in a, a deeper level of, of understanding of, of the monologue. And I started to think about, well, who is this guy that, that watches these documentaries and who is he actually talking to and sharing this with because he, he mentions right he's on the outside all the time he's on the periphery nobody really values him at all um, you know that he feels really sad so I think he is an outsider and, and I started to think that maybe he was saying this monologue to a colleague at work you know when he was, he was in the lunch hall in the staff room and he's just had like a little five minutes to chat to somebody finally and just just get things off his mind and i feel like he's this guy that, that he's watching the beatles last night but then he'll obsess over something else the next night and then something else the next night and he just obsessively gets sucked into these worlds and these these factual things and he rattles them off um and and it's almost like a comfort for him the, the, this escape of you know looking at other people's world other people's things but what he doesn't do is actually face the the real life that's in front of him, you know, like, and he doesn't have any close relationships and he's very much 
alone. And he's at work and he's probably a decent enough employee. He probably stays up too late at night watching stuff and doesn't get much sleep. Um, and he, he's shown up to work a little bit tired and stuff. He's really, he's really playing on his mind. And for some reason, he just can't get the image of George Harrison's sad brown eyes out of his head. And mm. I think it's made him realise, just through watching it, that he's he's suffering. Like, like he's struggling and he's suffering. And like George didn't feel like an equal in the group, he, he doesn't really feel like an equal to anyone in his life. And, and he, he can't come out and say it. He can't come out and say, I, I'm really str- struggling here. I'm, I'm like feeling really down, really sad. And he's going to this roundabout way of saying it through something that's comfortable to him by talking about the Beatles, you know, and like uh, slowly through that is bleeding out how he feels about himself. And he wa- he wants, if I was to boil it into an objective, I think, he wants the person he's talking to at his work, his colleague, who he do- doesn't really know that well, to know, I need help, I'm suffering, I'm I'm alone here, I'm lonely, you know, and I, I need you to know that I'm suffering. So there we go. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, I mean, lovely. It's wonderful, wonderful insight. So thank you for that. Could I suggest then, if you are suffering um, and you're not in control of your existence and your life, that maybe we explore an emotional obligation of a feeling of deep sadness and suffering and a, and a heaviness and, and a weight. Mm. And... Mm. And if we, if we have an emotional objective of that, of feeling a sense of suffering, unable to get out, um, heaviness, sadness, nobody understands, nobody's, I'm alone, I'm isolated. Could you use an overlay? And I'll, I'll make a suggestion. If it doesn't pierce you automatically, don't force it, right? Let's just talk mm-hmm. for a minute and try to figure out what, what might. But uh, as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm creating an overlay in my mind of quicksand. Like mm. what might it feel like to have your, like be, you know, chest, you know, like ch- chest high into quicksand with your arms down unable to lift up and go and as the monologue is going on you're just sinking and sinking Mm. and sinking and sinking Mm. and that feeling of you know you 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 can't get out and nobody's there to help you and you're inevitably going to drown and and Mm. it's it's a it's going to happen it's just a matter of moments Mm. does that stimulate something in you yeah i I feel it's worth exploring yeah definitely yeah yeah Okay, so then let's give it a shot. And pragmatically, what you do is sensorially allow yourself to physically feel and sensorially experience that quicksand and the weight and the grittiness and and the cold pulling you down. And along the way, feel free to not have an obligation to get through the entirety of the monologue. If the if the overlay begins to dissipate and you feel like you're you're stretching you're 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 coming out of it, just back away for a minute and shake it out and we'll we'll just pivot and try something else. Right? Sure. This is this is an exploration. We're not trying to be perfect with with the delivery of a monologue, right? And so going to and and, yeah, and, and at this stage, this this and this overlay as well. I, I'm purely submissive to the fact that the quicksand has, has got me, right? Like, there's no escaping it. It's just heavy weighing down on me. I can't escape at all. No, no even point to struggle because I'm, I'm going down. I'm going down, yeah? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 
last night I watched the first episode of a three-part Beatles documentary and I'm not doing well right now. I was drawn into George Harrison's sad brown eyes. He was suffering. I think Ringo saw it. Maybe John did too. I don't know, but I believe Paul's insensitive comments were the cause of George's isolation. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of feeling it. Like, like it, I was getting it to start with. Uh, I'm finding like <laughs> all, all I'm visualising with that one right now for me as an actor is just like like I'm so gonna, I'm feeling like I've got to like, <laughs> like be, be drowning in the sand at the, at the moment sort of thing. And um, yeah, I, I maybe would lessen the severity of where where the sand is or whatever. That I'm, I'm maybe just starting to sink or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel there's almost like a, there, there could be like an irritability to this guy as well. That like like there may be the form of of suffering rather than it being slow and and heavy. You know, it could be just like. Um, you know, if he was covered with, with ants almost, you know, and like, I was going to just suggest the same them. thing. Fire yeah. ants, like biting fire yeah. ants all over you that are just gnawing at you. Yeah, just, so yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Just continue yeah. on the monologue and, wh- and while you're just continue on where, where you left off, but just viscerally experience those ants mm-hmm. just crawling on you and biting you and just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> don't know, but. I believe Paul's insensitive comments were the cause of George's isolation. He was never going to be John and Paul's equal, and, and he knew it. At the end of part one, George quit the Beatles. My heart broke for him, and then I realised I feel exactly the same. I, I live on the outskirts of other people's lives. I, I occupy space, but... I'm, I'm never noticed or, or, or valued. I, I simply exist. I, I think we find out in part two that George comes back to the band. <laughs> that makes me even more sad that he walked back into an environment that brought trauma into his life. He died, you know. Cancer. Anyway, I'm just feeling quite sad today. And I can't stop seeing his sad brown eyes. I wonder if my eyes look like that. I suppose they do. Yeah, that was such a beautifully unique interpretation of the piece that was not congruent with trying to make every word make sense, right? You were just feeling this uncomfortableness because of these ants all over you. And it just continued to like stoke the fire of this emotionality that was just coloring the piece. Mm. Yeah, that was Mm. really interesting. You know, if I was to play around with it again, I'd quite possibly distill it, you know, a lot lot more of the the physical part and just sort of try and yeah. you know ha- have it sw- maybe they swarm around inside you know like like I, I, I'm literally feeling it like cornering my stomach crawling my neck or all, all the stuff from the inside or whatever like um but then de- I, th- I think that over that two minute period I'm not not that any idea what what I was doing as such but I felt those were two very different things very- that I could instantly instantly jump into right and um what's lovely about this technique is it's Okay, I, like that one. I'm feeling I'm pushing forward. I'm forcing. Yep. It's, it's, I'm not really able to ride the wave of that one. Like, like, like it's almost like a surfer, isn't it? Like, and then you can just put it to one side and then be like, yeah. okay, can I can I try the next one? Or like, can I can I do this? And but I think that going back to your step process, had had I not like 
because uh, you know, I chatted to you for a couple of minutes there about you know where I think this character's at, who he might be talking to, yeah, a rough idea of where he is in this cafeteria in this canteen. So he probably doesn't want to bring too much attention to himself either. He's a bit of a loner, from what I understand. So he's he's maybe a bit strange stuff. Had I not got those thoughts and you know understood that elements of it first, then. I would just be playing around for the sake of playing around where, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the likes of I feel so heavy with quicksand that, that I'm just going under here. That perfectly aligns with what I thought intellectually about the character or I'm suffering, I've got these fire ants on me and they're just, they're just gnawing at me the whole time. Like that, that aligns with that character. You get me? So, so I think that's key to, to your process, 100% of um, always do that script analysis first. So let's look at, instead of emotion, let's look at objective. So let's say we have, uh, we've made an intellectual decision that this character's objective is to be noticed. I want people to see me. I'm invisible to the world. I want to be noticed. I want to be appreciated. I, I want to be noticed. See me, right? So if that becomes the objective, to be noticed, can you piggyback off of the story that you told about being at a cafeteria and the, everybody's just walking past you, bumping into you. Nobody even sees you. you you're, you're in line waiting to, you know, for your turn to order your food and people just walk right past you and, and cut in front of you in, in the queue. And, and it's as if you're not even there and just, Hey, see me. You know, I, mm. I, I'm, I'm standing right here. And so the overlay then becomes this visceral experience, right? We're bringing to life, we're activating the intellectual decision of an objective to be seen. I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. I want to be appreciated. I want to be valued. I want to be heard, right? Those are the objectives to accomplish that. And we're stimulating something in us through this overlay of these people just bumping into you. And not, I mean, you're next up in line and they just, they call the person right behind. Like, I'm, I'm, like I'm right here, mm, mm. you know? So see yeah. what that does for you and how it colors the monologue now. So we're talking about using overlays now, not to feel something, but to fight for an objective. It yeah. will stimulate emotions, but the primary purpose now is to go after your objective to be seen. Great. And, and just to have crystal clear clarity on this, going in the augmented reality sort of way of things, yeah? I'm still delivering it to, to one person. However, I'm, I'm bashing through all these people and I'm like, like, dude, do you, do you see what's going on to me right now? Like, like do, do you see this? Like, this is partly why I'm suffering. Like, like it's because of all this that's around me. So, like, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, that can be your, your choice that you want mm -hmm. to direct it to that same person. You could be saying it to anybody who will, you know, freaking listen to you. Whoever yeah, yeah. wants to listen to playing around. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, whatever. Cool. All right, cool, 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 cool. There we go. Last night, I watched the first episode of a three-part Beatles documentary, and I'm not doing well right now. I, I was drawn into George Harrison's sad brown eyes. He was suffering. I, I think Ringo saw it too, but maybe John did too. I, I don't know, but I believe Paul's insensitive comments were were the cause of George's isolation. He was never going to be John and Paul's equal in, 
And he knew it. At the end of part one, George quit the Beatles. My heart broke for him. And then, then I realized I feel, I feel exactly the same. I live on the outskirts, the periphery of other people's lives. I occupy space, but I'm never noticed or valued. I simply exist. I think we find out in part two that George comes back to the band. And that makes me even more sad that he knowingly walked back into an environment that brought trauma into his life. He died, you know. George. Cancer. Anyway. I'm just feeling quite sad today. And I can't stop seeing his sad burns. And I wonder if my eyes look like that. I suppose they do. Yeah, beautiful. What a... Um beautifully different interpretation and the thing that I observed was that you well at least what I perceived I observed was that you weren't trying to feel something you weren't trying to achieve the end result you were just affected by this this overlaid environment that you created in your imagination and your sensory work that stimulated that in you so you weren't working for the result you were living through the experience that brought you to the result mm. no definitely and, and i think that that was literally it there was um going with what your recommendation was for for that overlay right and just, just yeah. fully committing to that idea um and just keeping coming back to i i need to be heard these people aren't listening to me um and yeah, like like it did lead to some irritability at some places. It did lead to I me mean, just just listen to me, people. You know, like and it did lead to him being a bit unhinged. I guess I guess in that uh, in that time, and like none of which that I had like, planned obviously or thought it would go beforehand. I was literally just in this room where I was getting bashed around. People were staring at me strangely, like you know, looking at me. Oh, here's this guy again, sort of thing. You know, and, and just reacting to those those things now. I think when you're playing around and exploring, brilliant, right? You get this very different interpretation. And, you know, now just from even these these three that we've explored today, I've got this feeling of heaviness, you know, that, that comes with them. I've got this feeling of irritability. And I've got this feeling now where, where I've really explored that, uh, you know, other people either don't notice them or, like, um, if they do notice them, they, they don't notice them in the right way or he's, he's got this slight paranoia about what people think of him, you know, like, so... Um, you know, all of us, even though I wasn't congruently going to just do that um, overlay, you know, and just, just go for it and do that one thing, all of which is going to lead for me feeling a, a deeper level of emotion that I didn't have before for this character. I maybe had the intellectual understanding, but, but now I've, I've physicalized it, I've, I've been in action with it, and it's in me somewhere, you know. So I think every time I revisit the monologue, it's going to be there with, yeah. with me, those things. And you'll gain insight into the character, the relationships, and the circumstances in a way that you wouldn't have access to had you not approached it either through this technique or any technique, right? If you just go by mm. concept, you, you stay at the surface, right? Here we're scratching below the surface and finding true connection to it. It's uh, so, powerful, right? It's, it's really powerful. Just, just stay true to the, the, the overlay that you've been given, yeah. and it's, yeah. So let's look at um, relationship. 
So let's say the character breakdown, the description of the character is, this is a loner. Okay, that's all you get. This is a loner. Like, okay, well, how? How do I as an actor, you know, I'm playing Bob, character breakdown, the loner. That's it, that's all, that's all you're given. Okay, well, mm -hmm. what do you actually do to stimulate in you behavior that people would recognize as, wow, that guy is alone. Right, that, that guy is separated from society. So what about if we use an overlay of you are sitting on a park bench alone in a massive park and you're feeding breadcrumbs to one pigeon, one bird that, that came. No other birds are there, but one bird yeah. came, you know. And it's just you and you're having this conversation with this pigeon as you feed the pigeon, right? And so can that stimulate behavior in you that we would recognize as a character of, wow, this guy's isolated, this guy's a loner, this guy's alone? Yeah, yeah, beautiful. When the park, I can hear, all, all I can hear is birds uh, chirping. And none the of them want to come to you, you know? Yeah. You know, except yeah. the one damaged pigeon. Just as one, the, in the pigeon, it's like, yeah, it's, it's got a Gary wing. Like, of course, um, of course. Feathers missing, yeah. It's got one eye. Um, it's coming up to me. Uh, yeah, cool, oh, I'm with you, yeah. I'm feeling the breath, okay. Okay, Last night. I watched the first episode of the three-part Beatles documentary. Um, not doing well right now. I was drawn into George Harrison's sad brown eyes. He was suffering. I think Wingo saw it. Uh, maybe John did too. I don't know. I believe Paul's insensitive comments were the cause of George's isolation. He was never going to be John and Paul's equal, and, and he knew it. At, at the end of part one, George quit the Beatles. My heart broke for him, and then I realised I feel exactly the same. I live on the outskirts, the periphery of other people's lives. I occupy space, but I'm never noticed or valued. I simply exist. I think we find out in part two that George comes back to the band. And that makes me even more sad. That he knowingly walked back into that environment that brought trauma into his life. Died, you know. Cancer. Anyway, just feeling quite sad today. And I can't stop seeing the sad brown eyes. I wonder if my eyes look like that. I suppose they do. Yeah, that's beautiful. How'd that feel? Yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah, again, I'm just I'm just imagining this little pigeon in front of me, 
it's this it's just this very captive audience and like you know, I like to kid myself on the fact that nah, he's not here for the breadcrumbs. He's here. He's here for me. That's that's what he's here for. The little <laughs> one he's here because he wants to listen, and then I get I get sort of drawn in and sucked in. Um, and, you know, and but equally, like that, if we're going for the part of the loner, you get me? Like, like probably you're right. Evoke some behaviour that's like, oh, this guy's a little bit. Yeah, he's he's an odd one. He's an oddball, you know. Um, but just by visualizing talking to a little pigeon, you get me. Like like it, it evokes all those things, isn't it? And isn't that the way? You know, sometimes when you talk to these these types, it feels like they're talking to you, but they're kind of talking to someone else at the, at the same time yeah. as well. You know that that's going yeah. on. Um, you know, even them looking down and stuff like could still be talking to this guy in the canteen, but you know, it's, he's on a different yeah. wavelength. You know. So the reality of the moment is always going to exist, right? You're going to be filming with this other person or you're on stage with this other person. And again, this overlay is an augmented reality, but never at the expense of what is actually there. Mm -hmm. So if this was a real uh, rehearsal with a, an actual human being with you, you would see and experience it and be um, affected by both that person and this mm -hmm. imagined pigeon at the same time. Yeah. And at yeah. some point, one will come to the foreground, one will go to the background, right? And it'll ebb and flow. Sure. Uh, but always make sure that you're you're never like just on the pigeon and the person like can't sure. seen, you know? Yes. It's never sure. at the expense of that. It's just yeah. there to yeah. stimulate the, to, to help you take all of these intellectual decisions about what do I want? What am I supposed to feel? What kind of a character am I supposed to be? What's the relationship? All that intellectual stuff that you've decided, it's bringing yeah. it to life through a process that if you pick the right overlay, immediately triggers something in you. You're like, I don't need to think about it. I know what that feels like and I'm good. Yeah, perfect. No, that, that, I mean, that, that was pure pigeon right there, but then I can instantly see, yeah, like, yeah, talking to the guy, and having a little pigeon there that, that he's sort of like talking to as well yeah. and like looking back to him like yeah that, that would definitely add something to it definitely it's awesome that's awesome yeah. great thank you for playing along mate so so much fun like really a, a lot a lot of fun and um that would be my advice to anybody that wants to try this sort of thing out um at home and give it a go is just just give yourself over to the overlay well, once you've done the work on the script and you know, I was in the really luxurious position that I was collaborating with Jared on it today and we were going back and forth and he was suggesting stuff to me and things. But, I, I, you know, I, th I feel like, because I've done the work on the script, that, yeah, like like if I sat down, yeah, I, I think you can get in that world of thinking about these overlays because it is really effective, right? You started today's episode saying how actionable effective this technique is. I, I feel that like you just mean you're actually drawn to stuff. You just let your imagination your body run a bit like you're going to get drawn drawn towards things, and instantly a bit a bit like our quicksand ant scenario. I'm like, you're like heavy with quicksand. I'm like, well, no, nah, maybe it's ant. You know, like just yeah, you'll give yourself know. over to instinct, and and then when you're doing it, boom, just just give yourself over to that that overlay and allow it to you know evoke whatever whatever it does. You know, and you start to get this emotional connection. It's it's, it's crazy. It's it's um, bizarre how it works, definitely, but very very effective. I'm excited to hear uh, if you take some time to go back and watch the replay of this to see from your perspective um, how different those uh, interpretations were. Sure. Vast, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. That was awesome. great. Thank you so much for sharing, Jared. And I really yeah, appreciate you sharing uh, similar on two guys talking craft as well. That's completely. Yeah. 
personal to you as well and your, your own thing. So yeah. thank you for taking the time to share. And I, I'm positive people are going to get a massive amount of value from that. So thank you very I much. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. It's so, yeah, every, every actor, every professional actor that I've shared this with immediately gets it like, oh my God, it's so simple. How, like, yeah. how, have I, how have I not used this before? It's, it's, yeah. immediate, it's immediate and you don't have to think about it. It's just, it's right there. It's beautiful. And you need to just publish the book now. Get the get the DVD out, all that good yeah. stuff, and then start doing doing the courses around the world. There we go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, man. Hey, uh, right. thank you so so much uh, from the bottom of my heart, friend, and thank you everybody thank you. who joined us this evening. And uh, let's go Red Bulls. As always, Red it's Bulls. It's, a, it's a bit of a catchphrase uh, for two guys talking craft, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Wednesday nights to play the game. So <laughs> let's go Red Bulls. Let's go. All right. Yeah. I'll see you later. Take care, my friend. Take care. Right. All bye. the best. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you.